Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to Sister Wives with Mary Jane Kay. Today, I'll be breaking down Sister Wives, Season 5, Episode 3, More Sister Wives. We're going to see a better example of a much more functional polygamist family this episode with the Darger family making their first appearance. It's going to be interesting comparing the dynamics of two very different polygamist families, especially comparing the differences in the way the husbands function within their families. I noticed that Joe Darger ran for mayor in the past, and I don't want to get into politics. I don't know his political affiliations or perspectives, but Kotex also had political aspirations. I recall Cody telling Leo at Mary's Inn that he considered running himself in Utah, and he's mentioned it before with his wives, with his ex-wives, especially with Christine, I believe. Now, Cody could not even handle the real estate test. He took one look at that real estate book and he said, that's a no-go and he didn't even try. Cody fancied himself an entrepreneur. He wanted to be a real estate guru. And he even said before in a previous season that it doesn't make sense for him to watch his kids when he can get help to do it because he makes hundreds an hour. And I remember when he did this, it was during the Rona and his house was so loud that he had to hide out in the closet. Cody had to hide out in the closet of the Goblin's Lair during the Rona to do his recordings. Now, apparently Joe Darger actually is a home builder. That's his profession. And of course he ran for mayor and he didn't win, but he tried. He had the ambition. He had the work ethic. He had the fortitude. Compare that to Cody who took one look at that real estate book and he couldn't even crack it open to try. He didn't have it in him. So it's really going to be interesting to see the differences between Cody and Joe as patriarchs within the polygamist framework to see how their personalities affect the way their families function. Now, if we recall, the professor from the UNLV panel said when he surveyed a ton of polygamists, that men and women all agreed that the primary factor that a successful familial dynamic hinged upon was the husband's personality, his character, the type of guy he was. And before going into this episode, the differences between the two men, Joe and Cody, couldn't be more clear. Joe is a builder, Joe has ambitions that he takes action to attain. He has a strong work ethic. He is a home builder. His family seems to function in a healthy manner, and he actually ran for mayor whether or not he won. Joe doesn't just talk. He's not a used car salesman. He acts. And Cody is all talk. Talk, talk, talk. Words, words, words. No action, it seems. We see that Joe is on time. He's organized, and he may lead or manage the family well, but he doesn't desire to control his women or his kids. He doesn't try to use domination and control as a way to make polygamy more convenient for him. Joe seems to take accountability. He seems to take responsibility in his relationships and he puts in work to make it work. That's what it seems like. He doesn't favor his convenience over doing his part and we're gonna see that this episode. The episode opens with a flashback scene of the Brown Wives and Cody 
taking the kids to check out each mom's property on the cul-de-sac. Cody explains how they got approved for home loans. So they're building these homes from the ground up. So there are tons of challenges to try and figure out all of the home options when building a home and also with the budget issue they have of all four women, regardless of the number of kids, getting the exact same budget, even though only Janelle and Cody are the primary breadwinners, mainly Janelle, at least from what we see on the show. And that TLC filming paycheck isn't gonna go too far. Cody is worried about what a challenge this will be, figuring out all the home options and within the budgets. And Cody mentions how something that's important to him might not be important to his wife. His wife might prefer something he doesn't. So this picking home options times four with each wife will be a monumental challenge for Cody. I'm surprised Cody didn't pull the patriarchy shit right here with, I'm the man, grr, I'm the leader, you must obey. Your will runs into mine, my way or the highway. But no, Cody here is gonna go back and forth with each wife, and this was before Cody decided to be the devil he thinks he is now, per the season 18 promo. This is before Kotex went full mask off, before he divulged, how he viewed his family, his other wives and kids, as the obstacles to his goals in life, as the people who hinder him from achieving his goals. When these people, his family, should have been Cody's ultimate goal and his ultimate blessing. Cody and Christine are now trying to figure out all of their home options. Christine wants five bedrooms and the base plan comes with four but she wants as many bedrooms as possible. And Cody wonders if that's what Christine wants to add a fifth bedroom. And Christine decides if she can, she wants six bedrooms. She has six kids. Now, see how it's problematic for Mary to have the wet bar and the empty rooms just sitting there because she gets the same budget when only one man and one wife in this whole group are the primary breadwinners? And the moms with six kids have to struggle to fit and to make the same budget work as Mary gets the wet bar. If Mary worked and she was paying for it, no problem. But it is selfish and it is a problem when the moms with six kids have to work with less so that Mary can fill the void with those empty rooms or the wet bar, knowing how desperate the family's financial situation is and that Janelle is the one paying for Mary to have those luxuries as she and Christine have to struggle to make do on the same budget with six kids. Mary could easily have sacrificed for the family, but she insisted not to. Christine says she has five bedrooms now and she really enjoys having the kids spread out and giving them their space. So she wants to go big or go home. Bedrooms matter for her and her kids bedrooms are her priority. Now, Janelle looks at her budget and she says it's a fixed number. There isn't much give. And she has Maddie and Hunter who have their own rooms and Garrison and Gabe share a bedroom. So upstairs, Janelle wants to have just three bedrooms and she says that's plenty. She really doesn't feel like she needs the extra bedroom. She'll do without. She'll sacrifice Her kids sharing a room, her kids will have to sacrifice. Maybe if Mary sacrificed for the family rather than insisting on a wet bar and a hobby room, 
Janelle and Christine could easily have enough space for all of their kids to have their own personal area, their own private room. Janelle and Cody don't see eye to eye about the amount of bedrooms they need. And Cody thinks Logan needs a room. He's going to want to come home during the summer. But Janelle knows it's not necessary. Logan was waiting to be free. He's free. This is what he was looking forward to. Let him live. I doubt he needs a room. I agree with Janelle on this, although I don't think her kids should have to share rooms as Mary gets a wet bar and she's the one paying for it. I don't think that's fair. Cody thinks that Logan's going to need a room to come home to during the summer, but Janelle knows it's not necessary. Logan was waiting to be free. He's free. He's living in the dorms. Let him live. But Cody thinks they need another bedroom because Janelle will always have a kid who wants to come home from college. Janelle doesn't need the extra bedroom. And she tells Cody that it adds a lot of money. And Janelle doesn't think her kids need their own rooms. A lot of them are going to be grown soon. Cody visits Robin next to discuss her needs. He wants to discuss the important things first. And Robin is thinking that she needs pantries, plural, and a hobby room. And the hobby room is going to be her office because she works so hard. She's a worker bee. She contributes so much financially to this family. You know what I noticed? Janelle is the one paying for a lot of this. She and Cody are the ones hustling to make it work financially for everyone, regardless of the fact that the homes are just in a wife or a wife in Cody's names. Janelle is the one pitching in for the budgets. She is the money tree, and Cody supplements that, in my opinion. And Janelle wants to cut corners to save. She wants her kids to share a bedroom. And reasonably, Christine wants enough bedrooms to fit all of her kids. But we see the wives who don't bring much to the family, either financially or through caregiving or anything else, Mary and Robin, and they are making the most demands, wanting the fancy shit, refusing to cut corners. Robin insists she needs the pantries, plural, and the hobby room. The hobby room Goblin must have is going to be her office because we all know she works so hard and she brings so much financially to this family and their budget with all of her working in that hobby room. I guess it's a great place for Robin to do her kindergarten scribbles and put her vision boards and unsold inventory. I saw her chicken scratch doodles for those jewelry designs. They looked like a kindergartner did them. Probably Ari and Saul could do a better job. What work does this woman do that she needs an office? Seriously, what work is she doing? Robin adds that she also really, really needs an extra bedroom because God permitting, she wants more kids. Over at Mary's, Cody is so happy to see his wife, Mary, that he gives her a huge kiss and Mary is all giggles. She's laughing like a schoolgirl. She is delighted that this Kotex put his tongue in her mouth and Leo is sitting next to them on the same couch and they look super skeeved out. I wonder if Cody and Mary were normally this affectionate or if it's weird and just for cameras because Leo has a look on their face like WTF. Mary mentions the important thing for her is the wet bar like we didn't notice. 
She doesn't know why, but when she walked into the model home, she just fell in love. She loved that wet bar. And we learned from Cody that if the wet bar is below $8,000, then Mary is within the budget that everybody else gets, so Mary can get her wet bar. Cody feels like he's discussed all of this stuff way too much, and he thinks that Mary wants an extra room and Janelle wants one or two less bedrooms. Cody feels like Mary's home is much more suited for Janelle and Janelle's home is much more suited for Mary. Next, the Browns and the Dargers are taking a placation and Cody explains that there are 23 of them in the Brown family and there are about 25 Dargers, so it's gonna be almost 50 people at every meal they have. Christine explains that that's normal. That's what most plural families are actually like with four wives. So imagine the Brown family, Cody with his 23 people, is much less than a typical plural family with four wives because they normally have a boatload of kids, even more than Cody has. And if Cody had done anything like that, he's already bitten off way more than he can chew. We can only imagine the chaos if Cody procreated some more. So they're going to go on this polygamous vacation, the placation. The Dargers are the Browns' polygamous friends. The Browns say that they have been friends for a long time, but the Dargers tell it a little differently. The Dargers aren't a part of the Browns' faith. They are independent polygamists. The Darger family consists of Joe, the dad, and the husband, and there are three moms, Alina, Vicky, and Valerie. They have 23 kids together. Joe married Alina and Vicky on the same day, and 10 years later, Joe married Val, Vicky's twin. So 50 people are traveling to Oceanside, California. And the Darger clan are headed to Vegas. They live in Utah. They're going to stay at Mary's. And in the morning, the polygamous caravan is headed to Southern California to hit the beach. The Dargers live in Utah. Joe Darger is the husband. And they're very, very, very organized. The food is set to go. Joe's first wife is Alina Darger. Vicky Darger is Joe's second wife. And Valerie Darger is Joe's third wife. Joe's second and third wives are biological twins. Okay, I have to say that it's gross, in my opinion, that this guy is married to two twin sisters. And I don't know how they both feel comfortable sleeping with Joe, even if they're doing it separately. Knowing their husband has been with their twin in that kind of a way, that's gross. And to me, it's much worse than how Janelle's mom married Cody's dad, and that's weird too. But this is like beyond, and I'm a twin, so I find this extra sickening. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So the Dargers have known the Browns for four years. Now, what's interesting is the Browns mention how they're so close with the Dargers. They've known them for a long time. But four years isn't really a long time. And the Dargers mention how they would like to get to know the Browns better. They haven't hung out with them as much as they would like to. So they're very excited and they're looking forward to getting to know the Browns better. So the Browns portray the Dargers as close friends that they have known for a really long time. And the Dargers say it's been maybe four years. They don't know them as well as they'd like to. Now, I have a feeling maybe they were acquaintances and they knew of each other and Cody wanted a great storyline and a great show, so he wanted to introduce other polygamist families to make it interesting and so the Dargers and the Browns did a vacation together and of course we know Joe had political aspirations, so he probably wanted to be on the show. It's good for him. Now, the Dargers have been married almost 23 years and the other twin, Valerie, the third wife, Joe has been married to for around 13 years, so Joe likes to say that he has been married for 56 years. Now, one thing I noticed about Joe is he is very intelligent and he is very confident. He's confident enough to go with the fully bald look and he seems pretty secure in himself. He isn't spending hours fluffing his hair or flexing his muscles in the mirror. He's not fussing with his hair just to get the front strands to cover those bald spots in the front the way Cody does. He isn't dowsing his scalp with a hair booster follicle spray, buying it in bulk from China. Joe Darger seems alpha, and he seems to be stable. He seems to be composed. And we get a little of the Darger's history of becoming a plural family. Now, Alina and Vicky, Joe's first and second wife, both liked Joe before they began courting him and they were hanging around. And initially, Alina thought, well, may the best woman win. Meanwhile, Joe had no clue that either of these women who constantly hung around him actually liked him. Now, one day, Joe's mom took both the ladies aside separately and she had a conversation with each of them about possibly pursuing Joe together. And they say plural marriage is natural to them. They were raised in it, and it has a lot to do with their faith. Let's remember, though, that the Dargers are not the same faith as the Browns. The idea of having sister wives wasn't so foreign to Vicky. So when the option came up for she and Alina to do this together, to pursue Joe together and be a plural family... She knew it would be hard work, it would be a challenge, it would be difficult, and different from the norm, even among the weird polygamists they already knew. They were going to marry Joe at the same time. So Vicky thought to herself that maybe it seemed a bit different, but she gave it a try. And Alina was open to a plural marriage, so she gave it a chance. Alina and Vicky became the best of friends, and 
Joe would come home from work and he would see both of their cars parked there in the driveway and he would get excited thinking that's so cool. But Joe felt pressure just thinking about it. He didn't know if he was up for the task and he knew what the complexities of polygamy were. I want to point out that I noticed during this scene, Joe's kids, his wives and Joe, are loading the cars, they're loading the coolers, everything is calm and organized and Joe seems calm and even killed. He has lists, he's just gently telling people what they need to be doing and he's patiently asking his family to bring the coolers and do this and that and everything is organized. Joe isn't a wreck getting stuff ready, running around like a chicken with his head cut off like some other people we know. Cody is usually five seconds from a meltdown, getting emotional, throwing a diva fit by this point in the trip of loading the vehicles. Joe explains how in their culture, they don't date to date. Once you enter into a courtship, it's for the intention of getting married. So, He and Alina and Vicky started this not knowing if it would work, but they decided to try and Joe has never looked back. Joe went to speak with Vicky and Alina's fathers to let them know, hey, I'm courting your daughter while also courting another woman at the same time. Now, Vicky's father was cool with it. Alina's father thought Joe was a punk. Now, I want to point out again, I cannot reiterate this enough. We see just how organized and methodical Joe is. He doesn't mind being inconvenienced for his family. He knows how to lead and his family respects him. His family pitches in because they know what the end result will be and they have confidence in Joe to lead them. It's not about control. Joe's family gives Joe that privilege of respecting him because he respects them and they know he is capable and he lives up to being a decent father and a husband within this complicated situation, this framework of polygamy. And Joe earns that respect with his behavior and the way that he does things. Joe has the family gathered to go over his seating chart. He has an actual seating chart listed out for all the vehicles. He pre-plans what they need to bring, how to load it, where everyone will sit. So everything is organized to a T and everyone is on time. Now, can we imagine Cody ever doing that? Instead, he gets angry and he bitches and he complains at his wives and his kids. And when his wives have to make do and compensate for Cody's inability to lead, or for his inability to be inconvenienced or think ahead, or for his inability to be efficient, Cody criticizes the way his wives do things rather than praising them and fostering teamwork. Joe is calm. He doesn't get emotional. He planned everything. Everything goes smoothly because he leads in an effective way and without being controlling. Joe makes seating charts anytime they take a trip. He assesses what vehicles they'll take and what would work best, and his family never really argues with that. Now, I also guarantee that Joe checks the oil and the tires and the brakes and this and that also before taking a road trip, unlike the Kotex. I doubt with Joe we would ever see anything like the nightmare journey the Browns had from Utah to Vegas under the cover of night when things kept going sideways. 
The difference between Cody and Joe is Joe doesn't mind making an effort for his family. Joe will be inconvenienced and he'll do all the legwork to make sure things go smoothly for his family. And because Joe is calm and organized and he shows he has the skills needed to lead, his family gives Joe that respect. Willingly they give it and he gets teamwork. He doesn't demand control. He doesn't shout and yell that this is a patriarchy. Now, we learn more about how the Darger family came to be. Eventually, Alina's dad gave Alina permission to marry Joe. Alina had permission, but not her father's blessing. And that came after two and a half years. So when Alina got permission, she told Joe immediately. So right then and there, Joe asked both the women to marry him immediately. And he wasn't going to delay it, so they got married within two weeks because Joe didn't want Alina's dad to ever change his mind. So Joe and his first two wives were happily married for 10 years. They had their ups and downs. They had their challenges. But after 10 years, Valerie, Vicky's twin sister, showed up in Joe's life. And she, at first, was just a sister-in-law. Joe didn't see Valerie much, and he never looked at her ever as a possibility for a wife. But she showed up in Joe's life, and Joe saw somebody he never saw before at this point. Valerie was married for 11 and a half years previously in a plural marriage and it was very dysfunctional and she needed to leave for her kids. So she came to visit her twin sister Vicky. They were talking and Joe walked in the room and Vicky and Val were just sitting there talking and Vicky sensed something shift when Joe walked into the room when Val and Joe saw each other and said hello. Now Vicky, the twin sister, Joe's second wife said it wasn't anything anybody would catch, but right then she knew her twin sister Valerie would marry Joe, her husband, one day. Valerie explains that it hadn't even been a year since she left her marriage and she was reluctant to even look at anyone at all. But when Vicky, Valerie's twin, saw Joe walk in and she saw the exchange between Joe and her sister, Vicky just knew she had a strong feeling that her twin and Joe would be married. And Vicky feels there is something very comforting about knowing that this man will take care of her twin and her sister wives and her kids. And when she saw her twin Valerie in that situation, she knew Joe could do that for her. He could take care of her and her kids And so they were all open to it as a family. They all prayed about it and they decided to pursue this. Valerie had trust for Joe and he made it easy and he was a safe place to talk about things and she came from a troubled marriage. So Joe and Val started talking about life and family and then all of the pretense and all of the defensiveness started to melt away for Valerie. And Joe told Val one day it felt like they had known each other for a thousand years And he told her he loved her and he kissed her right there. And that was it. They knew. Cody explains that the twin thing, he feels sure Joe is married to two twin sisters. And he thinks that comes with its own set of issues. I can imagine. Now, Christine explains how if one of her sisters was her sister wife, that would definitely bring on a whole new world of complications. 
Cody feels Valerie coming into Joe's family is just like Robin coming into his family. He says Val came into Joe's family with her kids. So Joe's family, like his, is also a plural family and a blended family. Now, interestingly, Cody mentions that Joe has got to be a hero in Valerie's eyes. The hero who took her and her kids in, so it's all kind of wonderful stuff, Cody says. See, let's remember something. Cody was vehemently opposed to ever marrying a divorcee. And he says this in Becoming Sister Wives. He didn't want to marry a divorcee with kids. He felt he didn't want to ever raise another man's children. He didn't want the complications of a blended family. And then he met Robin and Robin was a divorcee and her ex was a person with status in their church. And so people kind of shunned Robin. There was a stigma surrounding her. And then Cody danced with Robin at Mary's urging and he took Robin on even though he didn't want to ever be with a divorcee with kids. Cody feels, in my opinion, like he is Robin's hero, this white knight on a horse, saving this damsel in distress, and her kids saving the needy, meeting their needs, being their valiant hero. And Cody's ego gets bloated off of this narrative. He loves being the hero, and Robin knows it, and she sees him as her best customer, and she treats him accordingly. And a big part of Robin entering the family, in my opinion, was security and stability financially for herself and her kids. She came in, she didn't work to contribute to the family, and the family paid for her whole existence. She was in debt, and she weaseled her way into the legal wife status under the guise of Cody having to adopt her kids. Cody's ego, of course, had to adopt Robin's kids so they could be his, his own. Cody is the hero who took in these kids, and so for Cody, he feels Valerie is Joe's damsel in distress. Joe's Robin, and Joe gets to be the hero who saved her, and it's wonderful. The man gets to be the hero to the woman, the grateful damsel, forever indebted to him. And it's interesting how Cody notes that parallel and that's how he perceives it, that it's wonderful that he gets to be Robin's hero, her kid's hero. But what about Cody's other wives and kids he put on the back burner and he neglected to be this hero figure in Robin's eyes? Cody's ex-wives and kids don't need a hero. They just want a decent husband and father figure. They miss the man they thought they knew who sees them now as his obstacle to his goals in life of just being the hero for Robin and her kids. Next, the Dargers get to Christine's and everyone is there for a group dinner. Mary is looking forward to spending a few days with the Dargers and she hopes by the end of the weekend she can tell the difference between the twins, Vicky and Val. Christine said that they have known the Dargers a long time. For years, and the Dargers said they don't hang out much. They're looking forward to get to know the Browns and to spend time with them. And Mary, who supposedly knows them so well, is still having trouble figuring out which twin is Vicky and which twin is Val. It's the parent trap. Old school Haley Mills, though, not the Lindsay Lohan version. Next, Cody asks the Dargers if they have a preference for when they would like to leave. Joe lets Cody know the pressure is on him 
and he can tell them what he wants. But Joe warns Cody, don't tell me leave at 8 and have me leave at 10. He warns Cody, I'll be really irritated. In other words, be organized, be respectful of my time. Respect me enough to be on time. See, Joe walked into this dinner and he sees how things are done and he can see the writing on the wall and he knows Cody isn't a leader. Cody isn't organized. He knows tomorrow will be a chicken with its head cut off scenario just flopping around. There will be no seating charts. There will be no pre-planning, no plan, and no organization. So he's warning, don't say eight and make it 10. Be real because Joe knows what's up and he knows he's going to be pissed if Cody wastes his time or disrespects his time and he can foresee what will happen. Cody tells Joe that they're telling him 10 then, even though as a family, of course, the Browns are planning for eight because Cody knows he will never be efficient. He just can't hack it the way Joe can. He can't be at Joe's level. Janelle can tell what's about to happen and she asks Cody, when are we starting? Meaning just the Brown family. When do we have to be ready? When do they have to actually get ready to be able to leave at 10? So Cody tells Janelle that they're going to leave from Mary's house at 9. And Christine points out that Cody needs to be accurate. Time is important because Janelle will have food in her car. Joe and his wives have done this days ago. They planned it before, not haphazardly the morning of or the night before. And the Browns tend to just fly by the seat of their pants in chaos. Christine admits that the Dargers are more organized than they are. Janelle plans on being there at 8 with the van. Now, as the Browns are scrambling and pre-planning, doing what Joe would have done days ago, he has a look on his face like he knows for a fact tomorrow will be a shit show. Joe is already mentally preparing for a shit show, and you can just tell. It's the next morning now, and Cody points out that they need to leave in an hour and 15 minutes. And he's asking, have you seen this? Have you seen that? Have you seen the lawn chairs? Have you seen that? And he's just dilly-dallying. He's clearing out the trunks and the car storage areas last minute. It's completely chaotic. And Cody's just sitting there and he's clearing out what he deems a whole supply of candy from the carpet of one of the vans. Just being slow, taking his time as if he's out picking daisies in a meadow. At one point, Cody motivates his family to get to it by asking, Hey, where are my slaves? Why are you guys just sitting? Now, let me tell you something. The reason the Dargers help Joe out is Joe had a plan. He was organized. He inconvenienced himself with the planning and the legwork to make things organized and efficient for everyone. And everyone believed in Joe's process and they know he gets results. So, of course, the whole family were all ready to soldier on and work together with Joe to get this done. With Cody, he's completely different. He's chaotic. They have to leave in an hour and 15 minutes. He doesn't know where stuff is. And he's sitting picking candy off of the carpet in the back of a van, which really isn't a priority in this situation. Nothing is loaded. Nothing is planned. There is no cohesive plan, and that's why no one is helping Cody. No one knows what the fuck needs to be done, or what the plan is, or what their task is, 
And the leader is wondering where the lawn chairs even are. And he is more concerned with just picking up candy from a van carpet than getting what he needs to get done done with 75 minutes till kickoff. And he's asking his family stuff like, where are my slaves? That isn't going to motivate anyone to want to pitch in, especially amidst chaos with no real cohesive plan or common goal. Joe is inconvenienced. Joe does the legwork. Joe makes the effort. He's methodical. He gets results. And because of this, his family is glad to pitch in. Compare that to Cody who runs around aimlessly and he has no plans and he wastes time on trivial shit and his motivational nudge to his kids and wives is, where are my slaves? Why are you guys sitting? The problem is no one in the Brown family believes in Cody as the leader. They know he isn't capable. They know he's frantic, he's manic, he's chaotic, and he just flies by the seat of his pants and it's a headache. So they aren't too motivated to do anything. And even if they were, no one knows what the fuck they're even supposed to be doing because Cody isn't efficient. Robin explains that the plan for right now with 75 minutes till takeoff is for everybody to just gather at Mary's house. In confessional, Christine explains to Cody that they're always in a state of chaos. You know, Cody complains incessantly about not being the leader of this family, but the guy doesn't know how to even lead. He doesn't inspire confidence. Even Joe knew last night being ready at 10 would probably mean for him to be ready at 1. Janelle tells Christine that she honestly doesn't know if there is ever anything that will ever fix it. The problem is really Cody, obviously. It's not his wives or his kids or that plural marriage is just hard and it's too many people. The problem is Cody. Cody is lazy. He doesn't like inconvenience. He doesn't like pre-planning. He's not into organization. Pre-planning isn't in his wheelhouse. And he won't ever inconvenience himself to be organized by doing the extra work Joe does so that things go smoothly and efficiently. Cody got nothing done but shout for his slaves and pick candy off of the van carpet. He hasn't found lawn chairs or he hasn't loaded anything yet. And now he is bitching to Gabe and Dayton that he needs a sweat rag because it's hard work picking daisies. If that ass sweat Cody claimed he had in Mexico when he was climbing that ruin is any indication of the way that man sweats, I would say Cody will probably just need a shower and a change of clothes. That disgusting ass sweat was abhorrent. I'll never forget it. Cody's done nothing, yet he needs a sweat rag. I didn't know it was so hard to pick candy off a carpet. Gabe should run in and get Cody a passy and a bib and a bottle too. Poor guy. Maybe all that hair follicle booster spray is seeping to his skull and it's hard to plan and it's hard to work hard and it's hard to think. Who knows? Christine thinks that they all go into it with good faith every time they do anything with a plan, but she thinks they have five separate plans they all work with. So Mary is getting shit done as usual and Mary is being proactive and she loaded all of the coolers as Cody was bitching about needing a sweat rag And Cody doesn't praise Mary. He has a problem with her putting the coolers in the car she did. 
He complains that the coolers weigh the most and Cody wants the weight distributed evenly and he's getting loud and he's getting snippy. Now, Joe would have organized this a week ago. Cody just wants to seem like he is important, like he's leading and he's managing. So he's just saying words to seem important. And they have less than an hour and 15 minutes to go to not be disrespectful to their guests and to be on time. And Cody worries about trivial shit that isn't at the critical level right now. He wants to seem like he knows best. But if he knows best and he wants to be particular, why didn't he plan like Joe did instead of having a problem with what Mary did? He should be thanking Mary and all of his wives because they're the ones who managed to get things done despite the chaos. And Cody's input is probably like having a toddler bitch and moan incessantly in the background, only making things harder and more frustrating for them to do what they are doing just to get done. Cody criticizes Mary for her efforts, and Mary tells Cody to talk nicely and calmly and to chill. Valerie, Joe's third wife, mentions how she heard Cody raise his voice a little bit and she laughed. She's trying to be polite about it, but she heard from inside the house that's how loud Kotex was. But she says as long as they can get everything loaded and get on the road, no problem. It's all wonderful. See, the Dargers are well aware that this will be a shit show of the highest order. Mary hopes that Joe won't be mad if they're just a tad bit late. Janelle mocks Cody, saying, don't wake me up at nine if you're leaving at 10. And she says, whatever. She's frustrated. And Cody probably wanted more beauty sleep. See, she's there and she's ready with the food and she was supposed to bring that. And Cody is the one who isn't ready. Mary says she would get along with somebody who was efficient saying, let's do this. Let's do this on time. Basically, Mary digs Joe's style. She wishes Kotex was capable of Joe's efficiency, that he was capable of inconveniencing himself with pre-planning and with organization. But Mary knows Cody just can't. He can't. He has to get his hair shit packed up and his affliction shirts and the extra cans of follicle booster spray. And he can't find the lawn chairs. So because Cody can't lead, because Cody can't be inconvenienced, the wives have to work in the chaos together to get things done as Cody armchair quarterbacks every move they make. Criticizing every move they make, being pissy and loud instead of grateful. Juxtapose how calm and organized and collected Joe and his family were when loading the cars and leaving. Everyone knew their task. Everyone was on time. Everything was simple. Everything was organized. And contrast this with the sky is falling, headless chicken scenario we have with Cody and the wives. And the wives are trying. Cody is chaos. As the wives do get shit done, Cody criticizes the most trivial things as he bitches for more slaves to help and he whines about sweat rags. Mary tells Janelle that she could be married to Joe, to a guy like that. And in confessional with all the wives and Cody there, Mary explains that she liked what she saw in Joe. Mary likes that Joe was very organized and his attitude was, let's just make it happen. So Cody is staring at Mary like she shanked him in the kidneys. 
He's, you could tell, very butthurt by this. You could tell that Cody envies Joe. He might be jealous. And it really hurts his ego to hear Mary say she liked what she saw in Joe in his organization. Because Cody knows he can never be at Joe's level. He can never be organized because he refuses to be inconvenienced. Cody has complained in the past that no one sees him as the leader. But he has zero ability to lead. He doesn't have the same skill set as Joe that makes Joe a good leader and a capable father and husband in a polygamous family. Mary sees how Cody is looking at her like she accidentally ran over his puppy as she's singing Joe's praises. He looks absolutely deflated. And Mary tells Cody it was not a dig. But Cody gets his fifis hurt. Cody gets up from the confessional couch and everyone's smiling, but you could tell that this gets under Cody's skin. The man always asserting he's an alpha male, self-proclaimed, is not cool with Mary telling him that this other polygamist guy might excel more with organization and with leadership. It irks Cody that Mary isn't giving him the equivalent of a verbal blowjob right now to coddle his ego. Cody walks off, telling Mary he's just going to leave her alone. The wives are all laughing and Cody's smiling, but not on the inside. Christine doesn't consider Joe a control person like everyone else does. Christine says she's watched Joe with his family and the way he says, everybody get loaded now and they all do it, Christine doesn't think it's a control thing. She thinks it's because Joe's family respects him fully. Exactly. Joe is capable of leading. He's capable of managing. He has those executive skills. He does the legwork. He puts in the work. And the family knows how capable Joe is. They see the end results. So they gladly work with Joe. They give him that respect and that deference that he earned with his behavior and with his actions. Joe's family knows Joe can pull it off. Cody isn't capable of leading like Joe. He isn't organized. He doesn't function that way. So the family doesn't look to him as the leader. They aren't confident in Cody. They know Cody can't do it. He isn't at Joe's level. He's chaos. So the wives know they have to work to get stuff done. And Cody just criticizes everything they do to Helen back when he refuses to take time to be inconvenienced and plan and to manage so the family doesn't believe in Cody as a leader. He doesn't do what he should do to be an organized leader. So they don't believe he is able to lead, which he isn't, and they aren't confident in him. So they don't give him that same respect and deference that Joe gets, which in later seasons, Cody tries to forcefully demand from his family. That respect Joe gets was earned. It wasn't a given. Joe gets that respect and teamwork because he has proven he can lead and the family believes in him. Joe didn't demand it with an iron fist. You will respect me. The family gave him that earned respect, that teamwork, because of his results, because of his personality and his behavior and his efficiency and his organizational skills and his leadership. Cody wants to demand that deference and that respect, that trust in him by force when he doesn't behave in a way that fosters that and he wanted to demand that respect by force through control without actually leading and without earning that respect and without fostering that teamwork. 
Joe doesn't demand that respect. He earned it. It developed over time, and Joe has a different character than Cody. I think even if Cody had that respect and that teamwork, even if Cody tried to be efficient and lead, he probably can't get results. If he could, if he were capable, the family would have respected him in a similar way as Joe's family respects Joe. Christine gets it, and so do Janelle and Mary. Joe doesn't lead because of control. He does it for his family. He is willing to be inconvenienced for his family. Cody wants to do nothing. He doesn't want to be inconvenienced. He wants to demand respect. He wants control for the sake of control for his ego. And he does nothing to foster respect or teamwork within his family. He does nothing to lead. And then he wants smoke blown up his ass. And to hear how amazing he is. And he gets so upset by Mary saying she digs Joe's style his way. And Cody walks off because his ego gets dented. Cody is smiling kind of cynically. He's back on the couch. He looks annoyed. As Christine mentions how Joe's family respects him fully. And she thinks Joe just has a good communication style with his family. Joe is glad he doesn't have four separate homes, he's impressed that the Browns are on time. And Joe says he really didn't expect it. Joe says it's trying to keep up with the Joneses or the Dargers. Joe knows he's on another level and he knows Cody's family doesn't operate as efficiently as his. Janelle suggests to Cody that they really could adopt some cultural things from the Dargers. And we learn that the back of the Dargers van is impeccably packed. Cody even points out, wow, the van is packed up so perfectly. Mary points out that there are definitely things in the Darger family that she thinks they could benefit from. Cody and Joe head out. It's go time. I noticed something. Joe is in perfectly ironed clothes. He looks very neat and composed. There's not a drop of sweat on him. And Cody's hair is a mess. He's wearing a button-up shirt and it's full of sweat. He looks chaotic and sweaty. They are just complete opposites, Joe and Cody. They get to Oceanside and Janelle was worried when she saw the rental houses. They're a bit small. And Cody wonders how they're all going to fit in that little postage stamp. And he wonders where the cars will go. It's absolutely beautiful. The rental is right on the beach. Janelle has never stayed at a place this awesome and she loves it. It is awesome. It's beautiful. Cody thought at first glance that this would be an organizational nightmare. Alina Darger explains that they're prepared to take whoever, wherever. Joe took over, of course. Christine explains how Joe pulled up the rental website with the layouts of the rental homes and Joe had this paper with names on it And he made a list of who was staying where, and it was the fastest decision-making ever. Joe did this for his family very quickly. It took minutes. Cody explains that he doesn't assign rooms. He just likes to rock, paper, scissors it. Christine says doing it their way, they also got it done really fast. Cody wants to start with which kitchen they're going to cook out of. Mary doesn't want to start with the kitchen. She has a lot of residual trauma from sharing kitchens with her sister wives, particularly Janelle. So Mary wants to start with the bedrooms. And Christine agrees. She wants to have the kids working out where they will be themselves. 
See how Joe's process takes five minutes and Cody's method takes hours? Mary agrees with Christine, do the bedrooms first, and Cody angrily leers at Mary for shooting down his leadership idea of picking the kitchen first. Cody points out, wow, it seems like Joe leads his family, but he says his wives lead his. He is full of resentment because Cody wishes he could be Joe. Now, when Cody points out Joe leads his family, but Cody's wives lead his, to that, Robin suggests that maybe they, meaning all of his wives, need to just shut up more. And Mary tells Cody, okay, she'll shut up and he can tell her where to go. And then Mary busts out laughing hysterically and Cody looks like a murderer. He gives her this intense look. His eyes are black and dark and he looks so creepy. He is pissed at Mary that she's mocking him and laughing at him. See, Cody knows that his family knows that Joe is at another level than he is, and he can't reach that level ever. And instead of Cody blaming himself and his inability, he blames his wives for not letting him call the shots when he knows he is incapable of making an effort or actually being organized. Cody isn't Joe. He doesn't have the same intellect or the same skill set that Joe does. The wives step up and they take over because they absolutely have to. Cody is chaos. He does no planning. He doesn't do any work. And Cody isn't capable of leading. He should be frustrated at himself, not at his wives for being strong and capable to make up for his deficiencies. Then when the wives get moving and they try to get shit done, all Cody does is criticize what they have done because he is mad at himself for his inability to be effective and organized. And all of his frustration gets put on his wives instead of where it should go, which is inward, so he can improve himself. All the chaos is because of Cody. So it's now day two in Oceanside, and everybody's going to go wave running. It's going to be fun. The families are intermingling a little bit. And Cody says it's a little awkward still, but the families are kind of intermingling. Cody says it just takes time. Again, it looks to me like these polygamous families barely know each other. The family gets to the water sports rental place at the Carlsbad Lagoon. Janelle can't imagine what the owner thought of 50 people walking across the parking lot with two men saying, these are our families. Probably, wow, it's loud. This is a lot of people. This is harshing my vibe. I need a joint right now. That's probably more or less what that guy thought in that chaos. Followed by ka-ching, ka-ching, rentals for a group of 50, it's a good day. The owner of the water sports rental place tells cameras they went from a nice, tranquil morning to instantly busy, and he says that's two huge families. Now, Josh, the owner, is super full of himself, and he looks goofy as fuck. The owner has a nine-month-old daughter and a female dog, and he says... That's all the girls he can handle. He is already a chick magnet. He has a house full of chicks and he doesn't need any more. Ego much? That guy looks goofy as fuck. Chicks don't want him, maybe in his mind. He just thinks that they do. He's that kind of a guy. Christine really likes Joe. She loves his family. She likes how Joe runs his family and she likes how his family is. She thinks they're a really good family. So Christine doesn't mind if some of their kids date some of Joe's kids. 
Christine explains that she means dating leading to marriage or what they would call a courtship. She isn't meaning anything scandalous. Cody points out the obvious that Joe's family supports plural marriage and they also support plural marriage. So he says if something happened naturally between his kids and their kids, it would please him. Now, Robin says she knows some of the girls were eyeing some of the guys. Cody wants Robin to spill what she knows, but she isn't spilling the tea. She's not telling. Now, what's creepy AF is Maddie has to get approval to wear a knee-length pencil skirt last episode. But Cody and Robin have no problem if Joe's kids might want to court his kids. And Robin is enthusiastic that some of their girls were eye-fucking some of the darker boys, as if they are commodities to marry off or pieces of meat, as long as they just don't dare dress like it. It's super creepy, but Cody is super stoked that a brown daughter was eyeing a darker boy. And Robin asks Cody, you think it was just one? To indicate there's more. So Robin says there was a couple girls that was eyeing a boy. And she uses the wrong tense. It should be there were a couple of girls who were eyeing a boy, but whatever. I mean, at least she knows her S's and W's. And if she forgets, there are probably stacks and stacks of My Sister Wife's Closet merch to remind her in the back of her closet. Robin says the girls were saying, hey, let's be sister wives with this guy. This is so weird. Maddie has to get approved for a knee-length skirt last episode. Janelle isn't sure Cody would like it, but Cody and Robin have no problem discussing how their girls could get with a darker boy, already planning fantasy courtships. It's so weird and so gross. Next, Alina talks with the Browns about being a public polygamist family. And she explains how there's been a long history of not being able to say, hey, I'm a polygamist and be out and proud about it. And Alina is curious as she sits with the brown adults because they say they felt like they've been led along the path to becoming public. And she wants to know what started it. She wonders if they came together. And Cody says basically the wheel just fell into motion. He didn't like the innocent plagues being picked on and he didn't want the powerful gangster-like types repping him. Cody says it wasn't an audible voice, but it was like his entire emotions, this entire everything, his whole life had been about, let's do this. This is what you are supposed to be now. Well, you know, I don't know how true this is, but I did hear a while back how Christine worked with this polygamist group and they wanted to do a documentary Uh, with another family who declined and Cody told Christine to get TLC to consider them and he wanted to do it and he probably wanted to do it in my opinion for fame and for his ego and he probably assumed that it comes with boatloads of cash and what he considers to be status. He probably thought he would look like the hero for his people like he was doing something not predicated on his ego but on something larger than himself. Now I think Cody saw himself like he would be a hero for his people, like he was going to show the world that polygamy isn't just what we see in the media, the cults on the compounds with the braids and the dresses and the welfare fraud and the child brides. 
But ultimately, Cody has shown us just how dysfunctional even his brand of polygamy is, how complicated, how difficult it is for all of the kids and the wives with such a complex dynamic. And Cody showed he can't hack it. He isn't cut out for this. And over the seasons, we saw this guy let his mask slip till ultimately he admits he views his family as the obstacles to his goals in life. And he uses the Rona to then methodically push away all of his wives and kids so that he can have monogamy with the one wife who feeds his ego enough to make him think she perceives him as the perfect hero. The way he wants to be seen when really she is just manipulating the fuck out of him for her own security. And Cody is no hero. He lost most of the relationships with his older kids and now he has three ex-wives as a result of his unhinged behavior and his demand for control. Alina explains that she lost a baby when she was five months old, so their family got investigated, and during the investigation, the detectives let her know by their questions that polygamy was a factor in that investigation, and it was terrifying for her. Alina explains that her daughter passed from a heart defect and other health issues, and she passed at home, so the state came to investigate to see what happened surrounding the circumstances for the death. And then it became more than that. And there's usually a routine investigation when a child passes, so they expected it. And then they got questions like, is your doctor polygamous? Where did you have this baby? Where do you get your medication? And Alina grew increasingly worried. Joe explains that at that moment, the fear that they grew up with, that the state would arrest them or take their kids, came to a head, it blew up, and the fear and a lot of anger came through for Joe. Cody asks Alina if the number one fear was for her to get her kids taken away, and that was always the number one fear growing up because her mom's dad was in prison, so she remembers hearing the stories of him going to prison for being a polygamist, and it stuck with her, and sometimes she says, you bring on your fear, and it stuck with her, as her number one fear. Cody feels it's a tragedy and their story strongly reinforces the reason why they as a family have decided to go public. Cody relates to Alina's story and he never lost a child, but going through this secondary emotion of not only mourning, but of fear and the authorities coming and saying, hey, we are suspicious of you because of who you are, because of your lifestyle. And because of your faith, Janelle wants to know if her family being public, if it's helping. And sometimes Janelle really doesn't know. Joe mentions that sometimes he has to look at exactly how far they've come because he is still frustrated with how much there is to do. And he says part of it, though, is frustration at how much needs to be done in opening up and educating their own culture. Cody feels what the Dargers went through just reinforces the need for fundamentalist Mormons and polygamist culture to be made public. Robin says they don't want anyone to think that this is the kind of people they are, the stereotypes that are out there. This isn't who they are. She says not every polygamist family has underage brides or commits welfare fraud. Cody thinks there are lots of people who think that this is their normal still. So they still have their work cut out for them. And Joe's family and their experiences 
just reinforce that the need for the Browns to be public and open and transparent is there. Today, the plan is to hang on the beach. They rented boogie boards for the kids. Christine mentions that the Dargers work out regularly. They work out together. They have an exercise regime, and it intimidates Christine. She wishes that she worked out as hard as they do, and she says it's inspirational to her. They all work out together. They get up and go all the time. And Robin points out that all of her sister wives work out, and she says Christine works out every day. So Robin thinks maybe the Dargers should work out with her sister wives. Robin seems to be taking this very competitively as if it's a competition. And she was very frustrated when Mary and Christine pointed out what they like about Joe. And Cody was frustrated too. So for Robin and Cody, they really seem to make things into a competition and a comparison. And they seem really butthurt because it seems pretty evident that the Dargers have a more functional situation going on. Janelle says, regarding how great the Dargers look, for some women, the genetics are there and for some not. And Janelle thinks everybody should be healthy. The Dargers work out and they do too. Alina explains how in a lot of plural families, she thinks that it can be very hard to watch your husband be affectionate with another woman. So they discussed it and they wanted their family to be natural. So the wives in the Darger family allow space for affection. When Joe gets home from work, he can give them each a kiss and a hug. They say, if you want to hug your husband, if you have to wait for your night, it doesn't make sense. So they are okay with open affection. And Cody explains that for him to be openly affectionate with all of his wives, maybe it works in theory. They want that in theory, but in practice, it's really not easy at all. And Robin explains how in theory... They don't want to have jealousy at all. They want to be able to be completely secure with themselves and in their relationships with Cody so that when Cody does anything for a sister wife, they are happy for them. But that's not how it works in the Brown family. Alina Darger had a realization that the affection Joe shows his other wives doesn't take from her. It's part of their love and their relationship. And she had to keep relearning that in order to become who she truly was. She had to understand that. Mary points out that they have so many other things that they have to deal with in their family and in their relationships that they have jealousy over so much. So Mary feels like, why add one more thing on when they really don't have to? And they can really step back and have their own relationships and they can have their own affection in private with Cody. After the beach, the older kids went to a diner together and Cody thinks they're going to shit talk about their parents, and he's right. They do shit talk about Cody. Christine says that she would love to listen in on their conversation because there aren't many polygamous families who are public, so she would really love them to compare notes about their experiences growing up this way. Maddie asks the Dargers if they will be polygamous when they get married later on. One Darger boy is sure it's not for him, he says. He gets the benefits of a large family. He says there are pros and cons to everything in life, but he doesn't believe that it's a commandment. Valerie's son had never considered polygamy until this year. And one daughter says she feels like if she said she was going to live polygamy, then she feels like she has to, but she really doesn't know. And the darker son who says it's not for him says that's until some guy with a wife starts courting her. Maddie asks, 
how the Darger moms all share the same kitchen. Now, in the Brown family, we know the trauma that came from the wives having to share the same kitchen, and it's traumatic. It created a lot of issues, particularly for Janelle. So it's interesting that that is Maddie's question, and that Maddie's question has to do with the Darger moms all sharing a kitchen. Samuel Darger says they share well, they work like a team, and Maddie points out that the Darger family is very organized. Sam says that's Papa Joe's strong suit, organization. He has a plan for everything. Maddie says her dad, Cody, just doesn't. He never has a plan, and it shows. Just look at the difference in Cody getting ready for the trip and Joe getting ready for the trip. Look at the frantic, chaotic, disorganized moves of Cody on repeat when he moved from Utah to Vegas and Vegas to Flagstaff. It's chaos central with Cody, even for this trip. Logan says their parents and their family all have something to donate, to contribute. And whoever knows the most in whatever subject area will be who is in charge in that moment. And a darker kid says their dad knows the most about every subject. He's a walking, talking encyclopedia. And Logan says their dad knows a lot. Some of the things he tries to know and he goes overboard with it and he totally fails. Truer words have never been spoken. Even Cody's own kids call out his faults. They see how much better Joe Darger is at hacking polygamy and they are roasting him. Maddie points out that he never has a plan. Logan points out that dad knows a lot and then he says, When he tries to know more on some things, he goes overboard and he fails. And that's because Cody is incompetent. He isn't willing to organize. He isn't willing to be inconvenienced. Joe is at a whole different intelligence level and he's a completely different personality type than Cody. And that's why polygamy functions differently in both of these families. Maddie piles on to Logan calling Cody a failure. And she says... Their family is just in sheer chaos all of the time. Maddie says, you can tell. And slowly but surely, the darker kids agree. Everyone can tell. Joe could tell. Cody didn't have his ducks in a row when he warned him. He would be frustrated if Cody wasn't on time to leave. Cody's wives point out that they could be married to Joe. They love his organization. Christine points out, Joe's family lets Joe lead. And it's not about control. It's because they respect him and he communicates well. Everyone can tell the Browns are dysfunctional and Cody is a total shit show. Even Cody's own teenage kids are calling him out with the darker kids. Maddie says Brown chaos is a special kind of chaos. And Maddie asks the Dargers if in their house what their dad says goes. She wonders if the moms ever argue with it. And Sam thinks that his dad is just big, bald, and intimidating, and everyone laughs. Some of these Darger kids seemed very uncomfortable when the Brown kids were so honest about their dad. Cody is having a great time on this vacation All of the adults go to dinner. The brown adults and the darker adults sit to dinner. And Alina wants to know how it's been for the Browns living separately because she noticed 
how far apart the Vegas rental homes were, and she wonders how it's been living so far apart after they lived in one home. Christine says that it's not like family anymore. It's hard. And Cody thinks that it's been hard on the kids. Mary agrees, and Christine says Vegas had to happen for a reason, and they figure the Heavenly Father has a way with everything. It's weird hearing Christine mention Heavenly Father. It's a trip knowing Christine left the faith long ago and how much she evolved. Christine says she has looked at it recently, and the four of them are living apart, but before, only three of them were living together, and Robin still had her own place in Utah separately, and the family had to do a reset anyways. And Joe agrees there had to be a reset. They all had to adjust to a new physical environment. But he asks Christine if four separate homes was what she envisioned. And Cody says when they moved to Vegas, he figured they would find a rich person who lost a home and it would be a short sale of some 10 or 15,000 square foot home with four kitchens and 25 bedrooms that they'd be able to pick up for pennies. Now, Cody says this in all seriousness. What was he smoking to ever even dream of that? Even if that home existed, there is no way in hell Cody could afford it. Cody legitimately expected that. They initiated with that, and then when they came to Vegas, of course, they didn't find that. They found nothing. It's Vegas. In what world would this guy think he could ever afford a property that big, let alone a mansion with 25 bedrooms and four kitchens that would be a short sale for pennies or foreclosed, whatever? Is Cody out of his fucking mind to even think that, that he would find a 10,000 or 15,000 square foot house that he could ever afford in any way, shape, or form? That is not logical, practical, or reasonable in any way to even think that. Janelle is looking at Cody like the fool he is when he says this. Now, Cody says what they discovered was there weren't any 10 or 15,000 square foot homes. And regardless of the size of the home, there were always only five bedrooms. Why would you move anywhere with a family that size with huge financial constraints without realistically figuring out a game plan before you move or what might be available instead of just dreaming up shit in your head? I would love to live in a villa in the south of France. I've been there before as a kid on a family vacation in a rental. And now if I was going to say, wow, I loved it there and I would like to go back uh, and I'm going to move there. I'm not going to picture in my mind that I'm going to live in a huge villa. I would have the expectation that alone, maybe I could afford to go and live in a place that was an apartment or something. I could never afford to go live permanently in a place like that. I would feel lucky to get an apartment to rent. You have to be logical and reasonable. You can't just dream up shit in your head. You have to plan and you have to allow yourself to be inconvenienced. And you also have to live in the real world. If Cody genuinely believed that bullshit about the 10 or 15,000 square foot house with the 25 bedrooms that would be a short sale, like is he out of his fucking mind? Cody is manic, he's impulsive, he's a dreamer, and he will never be cut out for leadership or plural marriage. And you know what? It's great to be a dreamer, but when you have real world responsibilities and you put yourself in a situation to have a plural family of that size and you're the husband and the father, the time for dreams and pros and vision boards is over. You have to be realistic. You have to be practical. That would drive me nuts. This guy without his wives would never, 
ever have been capable to handle his family at all. He refers to them later as his obstacles to his goals in life. But he was a huge obstacle to his family, really. Where would they be without the impulsive moves, without Cody's emotional issues, without his manipulations? What would have happened had they just stayed in Lehigh? Joe's wife suggests that if the Browns ever have to do a reset again, they have to try sharing a kitchen and sharing all the meals. And Cody says they won't go there again because they have done that. And he says all five of them will have an opinion on it. But Cody feels Joe and his wives may feel the way that they live is a better way to live in the same house and sharing a kitchen. And that's how he took it, that that's what they were saying. And Joe's wife asks the Browns if they know how sometimes, you know, there are hard things in their lives and then they get over the hard part of it and then it's smooth sailing. And she says it's like that with sharing a home and sharing a kitchen and it's smooth sailing for the Dargers as far as the kitchen goes. Now, Cody says from Joe's family's perspective, they feel like for the sake of the family, they sacrifice their own identities in the kitchen and they share a kitchen and it's their choice. And he says, that's great for them. Cody says all of Joe's wives like sharing a kitchen. And Mary wonders if the wives worry about how to decorate the house. And Joe's wife brings up a good point. She asks, is how you decorate really that important compared to wanting their children to grow up and know each other as brothers and sisters, to know each other? She wonders if decorating is really that important. And she says it's not that important to her. She let it go. Cody and his wives look frustrated. They are super annoyed because they know the Dargers have one up them. They know that the Dargers are a better example of a functional polygamist family and it's not the wife's fault. It's Cody's, in my opinion. He bit off way more than he could chew. The darker wives are working with a husband who will be inconvenienced, who will make an effort, who takes full accountability. Cody isn't willing to even try to do any of that. So it's a different dynamic within Cody's family where Cody is overwhelmed and he knows he isn't capable of anything beyond chaos and his wives have to haphazardly make things work. The Dargers are much more functional because Joe is more functional and Joe is with it. Cody says that he is looking at Joe's family and he thinks it's great for them, but he wants them to be very careful about pushing this on him. Cody has done this before and he says he wouldn't choose to do it ever again. And he says they had more problems stemming from sharing a kitchen that he doesn't think as adults they potentially will heal from. They may never heal from the trauma of those experiences. That's how bad it was. And Cody says he has to have them know that the distinct personality difference in his wives does not bring them to a place where they are better off as a family sharing a kitchen. He isn't being sexist here. He wants to be really careful how he says this, but he says each wife's kitchen needs to be able to be their domain. His wives need to be able to be free to grow and express their personality in whatever way they want. But Cody feels like he knows his family and they went through the ringer with many different houses, with many different setups, with many challenges, and he thinks they have learned and he thinks this is important for them and he isn't pushing it on anybody else. Cody says in their world, there is always the issue of are they communicating well enough 
and are they being kind enough? And he says they weren't ready in the beginning to be communicating well enough or to be kind enough to be sharing a kitchen. And Cody still doesn't think they are there. Joe is coming with all the questions. He can tell this kitchen shit is a hot button issue. And Joe asks if there was an abuser. And Mary knows, obviously it's her, and immediately she looks constipated because she knows how she treated Janelle in her kitchen. Now, Cody responds to Joe's question if there was an abuser. And he says he has two wives who think that sharing a kitchen can be abusive. And one of Joe's wives points out, well, if you're forcing somebody... So Mary at this point is holding everything in, but her face looks like she is ready to rage. And Mary says when Cody makes the statement that wives sharing the same kitchen is abuse, it makes her sad because she takes it personally because she knows that Janelle feels like she has abused her in their relationship in the beginning. Mary in confessional is holding back tears And Janelle is angry, but she's not saying a word. She looks incredibly uncomfortable. And Mary says it was never her intention as she wipes away tears. And let's remember, Mary was terrible to Janelle. She was overbearing. She was controlling. And now she is the one in tears playing the victim as Janelle feels awkward as fuck. And she doesn't like this conversation. So Janelle is trying to kind of zone out while watching Mary cry and play the victim. Now, Mary is crying and she wants Janelle specifically to know that was never her intention. It wasn't ever her intention to be abusive to her. And Janelle tells Mary it was a personality difference. And Mary says to her it was an issue of her being raised in a way that she could say how she felt and she could say what she wanted and that ended up looking abusive and feeling abusive. It didn't just look and feel abusive. It was abusive. Mary tells Janelle she's very sorry about that. And again, she says it was not ever her intention and it was just for her. Stuff like, I think it makes sense to have the cups go here. I think it makes sense to fold the laundry this way. Now, in the grand scheme of life, why the fuck does it really matter if two people fold laundry differently or if one person puts the cups in this cabinet versus that one? Does it matter as long as the chore is done, really? Why can't Mary just be glad the laundry was folded and the cups got put away and she didn't do it? I don't think it matters if it was the exact way Mary would do it or not. But I think Mary was aggressive and overbearing and demanding because she resented Janelle for taking Cody away from her and changing things. And she was jealous and she wanted to have control. So she intentionally treated Janelle like shit. And that's what it looks like. And maybe she felt she was there first. So it's her way or the highway. Mary resented Janelle and she wanted control and she belittled Janelle and she tried to dictate that things be done her way. And that's all because she was jealous and that was her way of getting back at Janelle. Life's too fucking short. Mary should just be happy that the laundry got folded and the cups got put away. Who gives a fuck if it's the exact way you would do it? Mary was jealous, she was angry, and she dealt with it by torturing Janelle as a way to feel better about her emotional struggles with Janelle sharing her husband. And that's unfair to Janelle. And now Mary is crying, apologizing on camera because she doesn't want to look or feel like the bad guy. If she really feels remorse, she would do this off camera and take accountability. I think personally from reading Becoming Sister Wives that Mary used control 
as a way to feel better because she was jealous of Janelle. Mary explains it all away by saying, well, she has a louder voice and she has a stronger voice. No, Mary's voice isn't loud and strong and that's no justification for her behavior towards Janelle. Fuck no, with the loud and the strong. She was weak, she was insecure, and she was cruel, and she was jealous, and that was her way of taking her jealousy out on Janelle. Mary seemed to take out her personal struggles with polygamy and her emotions regarding polygamy, her jealousy with Janelle sharing Cody. She took that all out on Janelle through emotional and verbal abuse and control. And that's fucked up behavior. It's super abusive and it's not okay. And these tears and this apology now seem to be very self-serving. And I still don't feel like Mary is taking full accountability. And the apology seems more about Mary than it does seem to be about remorse towards Janelle. It doesn't seem to be about Janelle. In my opinion, if this were really sincerely about Mary's remorse towards Janelle, my thoughts are that this would be done privately, minus the cameras, minus the excuses of, oh, my voice was just loud and strong, with full accountability and of. Mary knows how uncomfortable Janelle is in this moment doing this on camera. And she's doing this for herself. I don't think she's doing this for Janelle. Mary says in those years, she hadn't learned to temper her voice. And Janelle points out that there were no role models to follow. She didn't know that she could use her voice. And Cody didn't know he should listen to her. Um, I think Cody knew that he should listen to her. I think he didn't want to be inconvenienced. Cody explains that they're a family and it won't always come across in the nicest way. And they can learn to be kind to each other. It's part of their goal to all be kind and safe. But it's a challenge they get in the bad habits of not being kind and not being safe. Joe explains that he was surprised at the conversation at dinner. And Alina says the whole adjustment in the beginning was difficult, like sharing a man and sharing the parenting of the children. So she and Joe and Vicky sat down and they wrote a family mission statement. Joe Darger was a business major at the time and mission statements were very in style. So Joe realized that the family was trying to not only establish itself as a family, but also as an organization. And so Joe wanted to define what their values are and what they want to be as a family. So they all sat down separately and they wrote down everything that was a major value for them. And they brought all of those values together and they discussed them and they blended them and they brought them together into a family mission statement on paper. And it was a roadmap for the family. Joe's wife points out it would be the same thing with decorating. What things will she sacrifice, for example, in order to have this and in a unified family that loves one another, where the kids get to see their dad daily and they get to share their relationships with each other. And Joe says they don't look at their relationships like everyone else. For them, it's an eternal commitment. It's eternal. It's not just for a little while on earth. It's for forever. So they read parenting books at 18 and he says most people don't do that. But Joe read parenting books and he read relationship books and he wanted to figure this out because he knew there was no turning back. It's do or die. Mary is very curious about the family mission statement and she wants to know if it was about parenting and how they incorporated the different parenting styles 
The Dargers trusted each other. The sister wives each knew what they were all about. And she says, it's like relationship skills. It's like parenting skills. And when you learn skills, you know you want to do it that way because it works. And Joe's wife says, relationships are hard and monogamous marriages are failing at a higher rate than ever. And she says, they can say they lucked out with this marriage, but they knew all this. They knew they had to be extra dedicated and extra committed and extra ready for the challenge. And Joe says they aren't saying their way is the right way. And he says it's interesting to see how everyone finds a way to make plural marriage work in their own way. Cody wants to do a family mission statement. And Robin would love to do it all together and add their own clauses. Christine wants to do it too. And Mary as well. Robin wants to hang it on her wall. And Janelle doesn't see the point. She knows it won't change anything and it's just bullshit for the show probably. But she says, if they all want to do it, she'll do it. She'll go along with it. Cody says he's been running his family like a fireman, putting out fires. And Joe, from his childhood, has understood plural marriage. Joe architected his family and he made a plan. Cody, when he got into plural marriage, he didn't know what he was getting into. He didn't understand it. He just felt a call to live plural marriage. So now Cody feels maybe it's time they design something for their family, a vision for their family. So Cody wants to work on it. And Mary thinks they learned something else from the Dargers they can adopt to improve their lives. Robin had a lot of fun on this vacation with another plural family. And Joe's wife had a great time and she thinks that it should be an annual occasion and Cody says he's already planning the next trip. Maybe leave that to Joe. Janelle asks, what is the identity of a plural family? She wonders. She says, there are lots of role models for monogamous families. They are all over the place. And she wonders, does that mean that we all live in the same house and we all give and take until we come to some sort of homogenous idea that works for all of us? She also wonders, are they independent? But do they choose to work together as a family and make a cohesive group even though they're independent? And Cody thinks the family fits in the category of strong independent personalities who are all working together. Robin suggests it's the United States of Brown. And Joe's wife thinks what the Browns have is chaotic bliss and she loves that about the Brown family. Whatever issues or problems they may have, they are still a family. Cody says the homes they're moving into is the first really big plan they have ever had as a family. And they finally moved or graduated through the firefighter and reactionary place to actually planning their family like architects about what they're going to have. And Christine thinks the four homes will be a lot better than what they had in Utah. Mary thinks there's going to be a learning curve once again. Now, we know... Even when they lived in the cul-de-sac, things were very shaky with Christine and Cody wasn't acting as a husband to Mary. He wasn't intimate with her over a decade ago, even even probably before Vegas. So we know even in the cul-de-sac, it wasn't just bliss. And we also know that they had the big family celebration with the tree cake and the family mission statement and They went to the therapist to create the mission statement, which is a huge indication that it wasn't going to work. But that mission statement really didn't do anything and it didn't really mean anything because ultimately 
Cody operated his family as us versus them. It's Cody and Robin and her kids and them, the rest of the family. And that's how Cody operated. He asked what happened to Team Brown and he happened to Team Brown. So that does it for this episode. On the next episode of My Sister Wives Rewatch, Sister Wives Season 5, Episode 4, Polygamous Cults, some of Cody's teens volunteer with an organization that helps polygamists flee abusive situations. And some of the victims think the Browns are naive to think polygamy is so great. So the Browns invited them to meet their family to see how wonderful they are and how great Cody is. And to show these victims how Cody's family, their family, is so different from the polygamy that they experienced. One of the women there feels that being a polygamist is a dumb decision. She had a very bad experience in a plural family, so I doubt Cody's car salesman schmoozy bullshit will work to change how she feels or any of the victims feel considering she had a very negative experience. To my YouTube viewers, don't forget to like and subscribe and let me know your thoughts in the comment section if you like. To my podcast listeners, don't forget to follow this podcast wherever you listen and rate it with all the stars. I'll be back soon. Thanks for listening. Bye.